Today, we are going to talk about whether or not we want a cure. We know this could be a controversial topic, but we just wanted to shine a light on a perspective you may not have considered before. So stay tuned. Hi, and welcome to Rare with Flair. The podcast where two 20-somethings with the same rare disease are living our best lives. I'm your host, Casey. And I'm your host, Cassandra. Oh my goodness, we just wanted to announce. I'm singing this intro. <laughs> we just wanted, wanted to, to announce, announce the end of our fundraiser. <laughs> we ended our fundraiser. Well, technically, when we're recording this, it ends tomorrow. Yeah, and we like we can't thank everyone enough for everyone that's supported and bought a shirt or just donated. Um, wanted to bring up the the final total, but yes. naturally I like was not prepared. Oh, do you want me to get it? Yeah, I'm not prepared <laughs> either though, so it might take me a moment. Hold up, hold up, everybody. We will tell you that final total. So right now, it we still have one day <laughs> left technically. Right now, we have raised $2,250. Wow! And that is all money that is going directly to the HPS network to help us find a cure for pulmonary fibrosis that affects a lot of us. So, wow, you guys, you really came through. We could not have done this without you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, we cannot. We seriously thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We raised more money than we ever thought possible. We are just, we text every day about it, how blown away we are at your generosity and helping us. Thank you so, so much. And if you bought a shirt, we really hope you enjoy it. Um, When you get it in the mail, we hope you, every time you look at it, you just smile a little bit. I think I will. My favorite podcast When I wear my shirt. Also, wanted to say, since we use this little time as like a little catch-up moment, I, guess where I just got back from right before this recording? I know the answer, but I want to say, why, Case? (laughs) Or why, where? (laughs) Where, what, why, when, who? I went to dinner for the first time in an entire year. I have not been to a restaurant in any capacity, um, even outdoor dining at all since COVID started. I wish started. we had sound effects. I'd put like clap, like, I know fanfare. I know. We could just hear. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Yay. But yeah, it was really nice. It felt really surreal. And I got almost a little emotional. And what's weird is it was the last restaurant I went to before the pandemic started. Oh, how serendipitous. And we were at the same table. Whoa, that's insane. And for everyone listening, I have been completely vaccinated and I am still taking all the precautions. But, you know, I'm venturing out into the world a little more now and it's it's been really great. So, yes. Oh, I'm so excited for you. Was the food amazing? Amazing. And I, I feel like this podcast has really been like a time capsule through the pandemic. So it's really cool to like talk about these milestones, you know, when they happen. So yeah, we can look back I'm on so this. excited for you. Thank you. Thank you. So, oh my goodness! You want to get? I feel into like that's the- my that's my default line when I'm like <laughs> looking at my outline. I'm like, oh my goodness! So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's my tell, you guys. Um, well, so we wanted to do a really interesting and possibly thought provoking episode on if we want a cure. You heard it in the cold open that we li- that we just did. We see it in the title. It's something that 
I think a lot of people with disabilities think about to uh, some extent, and we thought it might be interesting for you guys to hear our perspective and also for us to talk about what factors go into that decision, because it's not as straightforward as you might think. No, it's really not. And, you know, a little disclaimer here that we always say is even though we are both disabled women, we are not speaking for all disabled people. And this topic is really controversial and there are a lot of different sides to it and there's a lot of different parts of it. And a lot of people, we have to remember, we're all on a different journey in our disability mm-hmm. and in accepting our disability. And Completely. So we are here to share our opinions. You know, our opinions happen to be really similar, which is probably why we started this podcast together. But it doesn't mean that, you know, this is just our opinion. We're not really trying to tell you how to think or feel. We're just trying to open your mind to maybe a different perspective that you might not mm-hmm. have thought about before. And we're, we're pretty passionate about it, actually. We had a phone call the other night planning for this episode, and we got really passionate and heated, so we have a lot to say. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so I, it's interesting because, so I read an article about this that I believe was published in the New York Times. I don't even know when. Fairly recently, within the past year. And I saw it, and I couldn't help but share it on Facebook because I thought it was so telling of how truly complex this is and for those of you that aren't disabled you might just be like why wouldn't you want a cure at Mm -hmm. all Mm -hmm. there some people with disabilities and we'll get into this because we have multiple uh don't want a cure or don't uh you know that's not something that's on their mind Mm -hmm. and there are a lot of factors to this and the first of which is is it congenital were you born with a disability It kind of varies if you were born with a disability and it's been pretty stable, kind of like Case and I, or if, you know, you may have had a a quote-unquote normal life and then something happened or your uh, disability progressed and you lost some of that sense of normalcy, Um, say like you lost your vision over time or like me, I lost my health over time because I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease when I was 15. So there are a lot of reasons why that might be. Mm -hmm. Is it painful is another really important delimiter to to kind of deciding or, or helping people decide this. And this could be either physical pain or societal pain, like bullying. Like mm-hmm. if it's a is if it's a visible physical attribute of you, um, being bullied could be like a really really painful experience, and it could also make you want a cure. And then also if it's terminal, you know, if it's going to shorten your life expectancy to some degree, people obviously may want a cure. And so um, those are those are factors that contribute. And I think it's cool to hear lots of different disabled people talking about their opinions and experience. And that's kind of what we hope to do for you guys today. Right. And as we've talked about in past episodes, Cassandra and I have multiple disabilities. We have multiple health problems and we do feel differently about some of them than others. And so I think those those things you just talked about, Cassandra, those categories you just put it in, they matter. They really matter. And so I wanted to take this moment to quickly talk about 
the medical model of disability versus the social model of disability. This is a very interesting concept that not a lot of people have maybe heard about, and I'm going to try to explain it my best, and we can maybe even leave an article in the show notes explaining it even better. But so the medical model of disability is that something is wrong with you and you need to be cured medically, mm. right? And then the social model of disability is you are you are okay as you are and that the world should just be made accessible to you. And if the world was accessible, you technically wouldn't even be disabled because the only reason we're disabled is because society is not built for us, correct? Um, yeah. And, you know... A lot of people spend a lot of their days just wanting a cure that might not ever be possible for them. Right now, mm. a cure is not possible for us. So which is easier, getting a cure that might not be possible or fixing what we can in society right now? So that's kind of the medical model versus the social model. Yeah. And given that, uh, we kind of wanted to talk about what we ascribe to as far as these models of disability. Um, I think... A lot of us, I, I guess when we were growing up, kind of heard the medical model and that's that's what parents hear from doctors and mm -hmm. that's kind of what parents then feed off to their children. And that could be positive or negative. There are ways to, to understand the medical model of disability that aren't like completely damaging. But, you know, at the core of it is this underlying thing of you are broken and you don't like you don't work like everybody else mm -hmm. and that's a problem mm -hmm. um and then the social model being like the opposite of that that you know if we can adapt to you your problem is not really that much of a problem like Casey exactly. said. So i think i definitely ascribe to the social model of disability being in uh, assistive and accessible technologies um I want to help make the world a more accessible place, especially with technology. And so, of course, I want, I, I believe in the social model. I believe that people can access technology equitably if we can make it correctly. It, we don't want it to seem, though, that by ascribing to that social model, that we expect the world to change for us. Right. Um, because obviously... There is an extreme of that that makes it seem that uh, we just we can't do anything unless, you know, people do stuff for us. Mm -hmm. um, but I think there's a balance there that can be reached and that really makes that. An, I don't know. That makes it important. I feel like I'm rambling a little bit. No, but at the same time, like it's it's kind of difficult to explain. But that's sort of how I feel. What do you think? Case? No, you're making complete sense. And. I, my very first YouTube video I ever made, which was over a decade ago, I said a, a sentence in there. I said, the world isn't going to adapt to you. You have to adapt to the world. And so I think back then I was more ascribing to the medical model because that's how most people are raised. Um, most mm. disabled babies are born to able-bodied parents. So the parents are asking the doctors. And of course, the doctors are all about healing and helping and curing, right? Um, and... And it's, it's not all black and white. Like, we're not over here saying that cures are bad. We're not saying that at all. What we're mm -hmm. saying is that there is not currently a cure for what we have. And there might not be in our lifetime. So putting false hope into that can be damaging. 
Um, yeah. And and even though I said that in my video of the world's not going to adapt to you, you need to adapt to the world. I still kind of believe that. But at the same time, I think the world should try harder to be accessible. I think there mm-hmm. should be more ramps instead of stairs places. I think there should be, you know, um, and and actually when the world is made more accessible to disabled people, it also helps able-bodied people too. Like, yep. it's a lot of the things that help... Um, help everyone and and I know Molly Burke the YouTuber I'm going to give her credit for this because she talks a lot about this and I hadn't heard it before but this the slant um what would you call that the curb that like the curbs yeah, going so, into yeah. yeah what is that called curb cuts curb uh, cuts right so those are uh principles of universal design and um and that's something that I've studied while like becoming accessibility professional but oh. um A lot of things are that we design for people with disabilities are beneficial to the greater public at large. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, what Casey was saying, curb cuts, you know, when the sidewalk slants gently into the street, those were created for people using wheelchairs. But that helps so many people carrying anything with wheels, people with strollers, Strollers. people with like pulling a heavy load on a dolly, like so many things. And I mean, texting was created for the deaf and everyone uses texting now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's one of those things where it would be universally probably helpful to a lot of people if we could cater more to people's disabilities. And then, mm-hmm. like, if society was made for, you know, the only reason we're disabled is because society is not made for us. Like, if cars weren't a thing, we could get places if everyone walked everywhere, mm-hmm. right? So it is, and and this is, what we're saying right here is very controversial. Controversial. Um, a lot of people, if we tell them, that we ascribe to the social model or if we tell them that we're not looking for a cure, this can be very offensive to people. Mm -hmm. Sometimes able-bodied people don't understand. Sometimes even disabled people don't want to even think like that. And so, you know, I know that this is kind of maybe new for some of you listening that we're, that we're talking about this, but you know, this is how we feel. And so we wanted to talk about how, like, I think you said earlier, Cassandra, we really First of all, we're talking just about our eye condition right now. We'll get into our other disabilities a little later. But for our legal blindness, right, we don't have a cure right now. And we do not particularly want a cure. And that is a controversial thing. And so we're going to kind of go back and forth and say some reasons as to why a cure is not something that we're really wanting. The first one, and I think the most obvious one, is that a cure could be dangerous or damaging, depending on what the cure is. If it's a, you know, like I said, we don't have a cure right now, but if in the future, like a surgery came along or something, you know, it could make us lose the vision that we currently have. It could, if it were something like some kind of computer in our head, like I don't know what the cure would be, but it could be damaging (laughs) in some way to us, right? But Mm -hmm. even if... Even if the cure was 100% safe and effective, there are still some reasons we might be, you know, not so sure about a cure. And you can go to the next one, Cass. Right. Yeah. So, first of all, 
right now we can't have a cure and the reason why that is is because um, albinism itself affects a lot of different parts of the eye. It's not just like the lens or the cornea or the rods and cones. Um, it affects our retina. It affects something in the retina called the fovea, which mm-hmm. is helpful for depth perception. And it also, and almost more importantly, it affects the connection between the optic nerve and the brain. <laughs> and we're screwed. Like, yeah, exactly. So even if, even if we went through what sounds like honestly really terrifying, a retina transplant, if that's even possible, if we got a whole new retina or, you know, we got eyes that had pigment in them because that's part of our, our deal. Mm-hmm. There's no fixing the connection between our optic nerve and our brain. That that's it. It's yeah. not genetics. Like we can't do anything else about that. Yeah. There's too many different things. The eye is a super complicated part of the body. There's too many different things wrong with it. A lot of people think, "Oh, there's just one and done fix or a one and done cure." No, there's so many different parts affected. Like we mm-hmm. also have nystagmus and all this kind of stuff. Like it's just not like, like, I think the only cure for us would really be, like, a technology kind of thing, like a robotic eye. Like, yeah. And that's terrifying. I don't want, like, a fake eye. Like, I, I like my human eyes. Like, you know, like, so anyway, yeah. there's just a lot with, like, there's a lot with that. But, yeah, I think another reason why, even if it was available to us and it was completely safe... We've Casey and I've talked about this before, and we both have we both separately arrived to the same conclusions. But it would be overwhelming mm-hmm. to get your vision back because, first of all, like in the categories we mentioned previously, we don't know what we don't know. We were born like this, and we have not had any changes, so it's congenital and not degenerative, mm-hmm. and so. I don't know. We'd have to relearn how to do everything. Yeah. And I, and I think people like don't understand that when we say it, but it's actually so true. Like it would be just really just I can't think of the word, but just like over like overstimulating. Yeah, is yeah. that what I'm trying to think of? Like I just feel like I would like have a headache every day or something. I like no. I know that sounds crazy and I think people don't understand what I'm saying, but like even cuz I feel like people think, "Oh, if you got vision, you could just drive tomorrow." No. No, mm-hmm. I I'd, I'd still be terrified to drive because I've never had eyes. That would be like if someone was born without legs and then you give them legs and you say walk. I mean, these you have to learn like how to mm-hmm. do these things, you know? Ugh, and while it would be possible and it would take a lot of time, it just it's it's very overwhelming the thought of like your entire being changing. Yeah, it would just be like relearning your whole life, readjusting to your whole life and it sounds exciting in some ways. Like we're not totally anti-cure. We're not saying we would never ever 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 never. We can't say that until if there actually was a cure handed to us, right? We can't really say how we'd feel in that moment, I guess. Um and I never really put myself in that moment cuz quite frankly, I don't really know if it'll happen in my lifetime. But mm-hmm. so I'm not saying like never, ever, at least for me, I can't speak for you, but yeah, there are parts of it that are exciting, but there are parts that are terrifying. And I think the last thing, and this is a controversial, this is the this most is controversial kind part. of touchy. This is, <laughs> this is the most <laughs> controversial part is we believe and not everyone thinks this, but we believe it is 
a part of us and it has made us who we are. And we, yeah. I think we should both take a minute. I think we can both take a minute to talk about our perspective on this since this is... Yeah, we really need to break this down. We need to break this down. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so a lot of people say, don't let disability define you. You know, you know, disability yeah. is not who you are. I don't see you as disabled. This isn't who you are. And while we, while we agree with that and while we do have so many other parts to our lives... And we don't, you know, we don't introduce ourselves and say, hey, I'm Casey, I'm blind. Like, no, it's not even like a thing we talk about all that often, except on the podcast, obviously. But (laughs) for me, and I'm going to talk, you know, I'm going to say how I feel. And then you can, even though I know you agree with a lot of this, but I'll say for me, I feel like it is such an ingrained part of me. It is not something I can take on and off. It is not something I can ever change. It affects my everyday life. It affects everything I do. It affects everything I did growing up, like from the time Mm -hmm. I was a baby. From the time I was a baby until now, everything I did in school, every interaction I ever had with people, it has ingrained itself and it has taught me things. I've learned from it. And not only that, but like, it's just part of the Casey package. Like, it is something that is... That is me. So I feel like if you took it away, I'm not saying that I wouldn't be a complete full human being, but it would be a part of my identity. And not only that, my community. I have a community of people that I truly care about and love in this community. Mm-hmm. And that's part of it, too. So I want you to I want your opinion, too, though. Yeah, I feel almost exactly the same. I, I just it affects everything in my life. It affects how I work. It affects how I like how I do leisure activities. It I mean, I have a guide dog. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the thought of like having my vision cured puts my dog out of work. <laughs> so, like and like that would be sad for her too. And you know, obviously that wouldn't be the defining choice, but it's just one of many, many factors that I don't, yeah, every interaction I have, it's part of me and mm-hmm. and I can't, yeah, I can't take it off. It's not like a career where you can go home and, you know, you're not a doctor anymore and you're, you're just, you're a person, you're mm-hmm. a, a, a spouse or, or, or a child or, or whatever, I, but having being blind or being partially blind it's just it's just it just is and I would not know my life without it I don't know what I don't know and I don't know what I'm missing and honestly there are a lot of pretty good things about it like yeah I re- I really like not being able to see dead animals on the road Me too. and if I had to suddenly that would be kind of jarring <laughs> Right. And I think, you know, everyone is on their own road to acceptance. And it did probably take us a while to get to this place. Like we are like fully functioning adults who are happy in who we are and who fully accept who we are and love who we are. And there have been times I have hated it. And there have been Mm -hmm. times I, I still don't like it. I'm not saying it's like great. And I'm not saying like like I don't want people to think like oh I want to be this way because I love the pity or the attention or the whatever it's it's not about that it just really feels like it's always been there and it's and it's how I know how to live like it's just part of me and and even like my parents I think would say the same thing 
I, I bet when I was born, they were really afraid and would have wanted a cure. But now that they see me as an adult, I don't think they feel that way anymore. And that's great that they've come to accept it, too. Yeah. Um, and actually, I was going to actually mention this. This is not like a published poll or anything. But my friend, who's very involved in the low vision community, made a poll on Instagram um, like a, about a year ago. And I remember seeing the results. And she asked, she asked disabled friends, um, I think m- mainly the blind community, she said, if you could get a cure tomorrow, would you? And then she also asked, if you could go back in time and get a cure as a baby, would you? And I think it was about maybe 50-50 for would you get a cure today? But the statistic of people that would have wanted to go back and get it as a baby were, were pretty low. Actually, most people said that they would not want to go back as a baby and cure themselves. And clearly, I think that shows that, mm-hmm. th- that it has shaped them, that they know that it has shaped them in some way. Even if they wanted a cure today, they know that in those formative years that it was an imp- important part of their identity. And it has shaped them into the person that they are today. It has shaped and them honestly, into that like, even for me, uh, if I weren't born, if I, if I w- were not born with albinism, I, is that correct? I don't know. Uh, yeah. I probably would be brown because my parents are brown. And, mm-hmm. you know, not being brown has also shaped my life. Mm-hmm. And it, I just feel like I would be a completely different person. And that could be good or bad. I don't know. Right. I don't know who, who I would have been. But at the same time, like, I am who I am now. And honestly, I don't know how that would change or not. But I'm I'm satisfied with the person I am. And again, our eye condition is also not painful most of the time right. unless we're outside in bright light. But seriously, <laughs> like, and, and, and we can't speak for other people with albinism that have been bullied and ex- have experienced, like, great social pain because Casey and I have pretty dark hair for being albino. We'll say yeah. it. We'll say it here, but we can't, don't yeah. say that. <laughs> don't say that at home, kids. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, like, we, you know, relatively we have experienced very, very minimal, if any, uh, bullying for being who we are and that also contributes to how we feel about this. And so actually I wanted to, I wanted to tell a story really quick. So this is, this was many years ago when I was in college. Um, I actually have had more than one, a bit inappropriate, but highly involved uh, Uber drivers that have like really doubled down when they saw me with my cane or with my guide dog and were like immediately started saying like don't you want a cure for your eye disease and i was like mm. i mean not really it's also none of your business yeah. and people people get really really yes. offended for us Pe- yes. i the, i'm thinking of two separate drivers mm. that were kind of upset that i didn't want to fix my eyes and i just want to say that Honestly, it's none of your business if we don't want a cure. Like, seriously, if, you know, please don't slide into our DMs and and say mean things to us because this is how we feel. And also, there, again, like we've already unpacked so far, there are just so many layers to this that... You know, someone was like, oh, I heard about some experimental chip implant. And I was like, no, thanks. 
Oh uh, yeah, no, my mom pass. was just telling me. Yeah, my mom was just telling me as a baby. They the doctors would tell her, "Oh, by the time your daughter's older, there will probably there's so many technological things happening every day." And it's okay to have a little bit of hope, but if you're a parent out there listening, I would hate you know, I would hate for these people to put false hope because we just don't know, right? Like, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not saying you can't have a little bit of hope, but I feel like holding on to that and not accepting what's right in front of you today is really hard. And Cassandra, I wanted to comment on the stories you shared because I have actually a similar story too. I had a college professor. He was a really cool guy, like really like open-minded, chill very wise man that I really looked up to and still look Mm -hmm. up to. Great person. And we were talking and he said like, oh, isn't it really exciting that there could be a cure for your eyes in your lifetime? And I said, oh, sure. I mean, I don't really think about it much. I don't really particularly, you know, want a cure. And yes, I he seemed really taken aback and actually almost upset and offended. And Mm -hmm. I was taken aback by that because I saw him as like a a pretty chill man and I just didn't expect him to be so turned off by that and listen like we're not judging people for wanting a cure but also at the same time I don't think anyone should judge us for not really wanting one either like there's two sides to that coin right like yeah like everyone is on a different part of their journey so I'm not going to sit here and say you shouldn't want a cure I won't say that I think that's fine Mm -hmm. if you want a cure and and like you absolutely have every right to want to cure. We understand. And and also we want to say we're not completely blind. And, and mm-hmm. I think that's a little different, too. We can't speak for completely blind people. And I know that there are completely blind people out there who don't want to cure. I know some of them. Um, but yeah, yeah we, and Case, like, Case just mentioned Molly Burke, who's yeah. a pretty influential person in the blind community. She made a really good video pretty much on the same topic that I'm definitely linking in our show notes. Um, And she kind of went through the whole medical and social model in much more detail than we did. And Mm -hmm. then she explained her feelings that are kind of similar to ours, but based on her life experience, which is completely different than ours. And she basically is completely blind. So, yeah. Yeah. She has some light perception, but even she said that she would be pretty scared to lose the little bit that she still has. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we're not trying to tell people what to think this is just our perspective but it is really offensive Mm -hmm. to people when we say we don't want a cure and that's why we're trying to get people to see where we're coming from with this and that if someone tells you that they're not looking for a cure I mean I know it seems like kind of a radical idea but maybe just like take some time to try to see it from their perspective I know it's hard if you aren't living it but like mm-hmm. to me it doesn't seem that out it doesn't seem that radical of a view but then when i say it to people they're always so shocked that i'm like oh maybe this is really a radical view but like to I me know, it doesn't right? seem you know i'm like i don't see why i don't see why i don't think any of my friends would want me different either i think my friends yeah. love me and my family i don't think my family would want me any different than i am i think yeah. they see that it's part of me like and it's the it's part of what they love like they love i'm sure and they of love course a lot like of they, they'd support however we felt oh but, yeah i mean i i don't you know given that we're not necessarily holding out hope for this uh it's just you know i'm sure that they don't mind either they're like sure we you know you know we take you as you are however that is and and that's kind of what we're looking for and also i don't know we just have other things in our lives that we feel are much more pressing and we also quickly wanted to to dive through our other disabilities because we do have different feelings 
Yeah. So I will kind of go back and forth. I just wanted to talk about like my Crohn's disease um, and whether or not. So I got Crohn's, like I've mentioned this before, uh, but I, I got Crohn's disease when I was 15. And, um, but then I ended up having my colon removed at 18. And so I think that between those two times, I probably definitely would have wanted a cure because like the different uh, categories that we, I mentioned earlier, uh, it was something that was degenerative. It was something that I lost. I had health before, and I could say I had quote unquote good health. I actually had a pretty good immune system as a kid, but then having Crohn's disease and being on a lot of different immunosuppressant drugs, like that's not the case anymore. But, um, you know, it was something that I had and I lost. And I can completely understand why people who maybe, you know, have a condition where they end up losing something, be it their vision or their health or literally anything else, I could see completely why they would want a cure. But it's a little too late for me now. I think that ship has kind of already sailed. I still have after effects of Crohn's, so maybe... Um, They're definitely not as severe as they used to be because the root of my problem was my colon and now I don't have one. And so, but there's no really changing that at this point. I wouldn't really want, even if they transplanted a colon into me, organ transplantation is really risky anyway. It's not Mm. worth it. And I can live completely fine without one. And honestly, like the whole thing was so traumatic for me. I am not even interested in having a colon um, or, or you know, going to the bathroom the regular way ever again. I just, it was really jarring and very scarring and I'm completely happy with where I'm at regarding that right now. So, no, I don't think I can have a cure right now, but I think it depends on where you are in your life too and your, in your illness too. Yeah, definitely. And I've talked in the past about how I have chronic pain and chronic pain I would want a cure for. And I think that goes back to the things Cassandra listed off at the beginning of this episode. It's like, is it painful? Were you born with it? All the things that go into it. And my chronic pain, um, with my vision, I can see the silver lining. I see the wonderful people I've met, the community of people, and the things I've learned from it and how it feels like a part of me. But with the chronic pain, that came on later. I wasn't born with it. It's painful. It, it interferes with my life in a very negative way. And there's no silver lining that I can find. I cannot find one good thing about it. Mm-mm. So with that, I would want a cure. So there are different dis- types of disabilities and there are different things. Some people might want a cure mm-hmm. for one and not the other. Absolutely. I think the other thing I wanted to talk about for me was pulmonary fibrosis. Like we've mentioned before, I don't have pulmonary fibrosis yet, but uh, we have Hermansky-Pudlak syndrome and I have a, a, the subtype of the disease that is kind of guaranteed to get it at some point in my life. Currently, as we've mentioned before, there is no cure for pulmonary fibrosis. The only thing that is available is a like solid organ transplant of you know one or two lungs and again my lungs are in great shape now uh but it's it's something that i know that is you know coming for me in my future and so i think i've actually had different thoughts about this um when i was a teenager and i was going through a lot with my health honestly the thought of having to go through something else that was even more difficult was 
kind of daunting and terrifying. So I wasn't even sure how I felt about that. Um, I think at this point in my life, I've been able to live a lot longer without so much uh, medical trauma like I experienced back when I was a teenager. Uh, So, you know, I think absolutely I would do anything to to stay alive I've I've been enrolled in many studies every year I get my lungs checked and so you know I'm doing what I need to do and what I can do Uh, I'm in all kinds of research and you know just trying to do what I can but I also know even though this is terminal and I know that this could very well end my life, even if like the transplant is successful, it's just another thing I have to live with. I know that like there may not be a cure for me and I've made peace with that fact. If you want to hear more about that, uh, I have like a whole spiel about this in episode six, so I won't go into that much detail again, but I've made peace at this point in my life with the fact that I very well may not have a cure for pulmonary fibrosis, but I want to do everything I can to maybe see that maybe someone 10 years younger than me who has my same condition wouldn't have to go through it either. And so um, if something comes my way, which is seeming kind of likely that there could be something to try in the future, of course I'll try it. Um, But... Mm. It's not like, I don't know. It also like doesn't keep me up at night. Like I know that it's coming for me in my life, but it's not something I lie awake about because it's just something that I've known since I was a teenager. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's that's a part of my life. (laughs) Right. Like when we're doing all these fundraisers, like the t-shirt fundraiser we just did, we're raising money for a cure for pulmonary fibrosis, which is the lung disease. That's the main thing. Also, you know, the Crohn's and all of that stuff. We're not really doing it for the vision aspect. That's just such small potatoes compared to <laughs> this terminal part of our illness for some people. So, um, so yeah, when we're saying we want a cure, that's kind of more what we're talking about. And that's another part of it. Is it terminal? You know, these all mm-hmm. factor in. And I think... And it would be painful. <laughs> oh, yeah, it would be very painful. And... At the end of the day, I think it's not up to other people to decide whose life is worth living and what your quality of life Mm -hmm. is going to be. Like, well, and what I mean by that is I I think when a lot of babies are born with a disability, any parent would immediately want a cure for them. And that's that's a normal way of thinking. And that's fine. But, Mm -hmm. who, you know, it's kind of like, who are you to say how their life would be with this disability and what their quality of life would be like? I, my quality of life has been really wonderful. And I think other people Mm -hmm. are just so in this mindset of like, anything different is bad, you know, like any of your senses being less is bad or whatever. And I know, I know we've repeated this so many times. I know it's so controversial. I know it. Like, even as I'm saying it, I'm like, oh my gosh, people are really going to judge me for what I'm saying right now. But like, I, I can't look at a baby born with a disability and I can't decide how their quality of life is going to be. I just can't. Like, that's, we are, mm-hmm. the only person living that life is that kid. And the only person living my life is me. And I'm really glad that Cassandra actually sees this the same way as I do, because we're, we're allowed to disagree on things and we do disagree on some things, but it really validates my feelings that you feel the same way. Like, I don't feel, you know, crazy that, because you agree with me. Yeah. And, and like Casey said, now that you have hopefully been able to at least see, if not understand, at least just 
hear what we're having to say. Um, you can also see how our vision compared to other aspects of our lives is actually not that big of a deal. And because we've lived with it our whole lives like this, like, honestly, it is broken, but why fix it? Like, yeah, and like it's like it's like not a big deal and is a big deal at the same time. It's so hard to explain it. You know, it's like uh, it's kind of a paradox, I think, for some people to understand. But, yeah, uh, you know, thanks for sticking with us, even if you didn't fully get it. Uh, that's okay. We just yeah. wanted to strike up that conversation and maybe make you think a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but we wanted to take you into what, what are, are we into, into lately? <laughs> so sometimes we do this segment of what are we into lately instead of a game. And we thought today would be a really good one because we have a few things we're into lately. You want to kick us off, Cass? Yes. Okay. So we've mentioned before, I think in our episode about hobbies, um, Case and I, we love this show called Steven Universe. Uh, It's a very wholesome animated TV show from Cartoon Network. Um, Case introduced me to it and I have her to thank because it's seriously one of my favorite shows ever. It's just a really happy thing. It's like a blanket for your soul. Yeah. Um, so we decided we wanted to rewatch it, but like together. So yeah. every night we watch a couple episodes because they're only like 20 minutes long. And then we send each other our thoughts, which we just go so deep into it because we love it so much. So Yeah. One of my favorite things ever is deconstructing TV shows. Like my friends always joke like, Casey, you're like a TV critic without actually being one because, like, I love being like, and then in the second scene, the character blinked. <laughs> and, I, and I think Cass likes it, too. So we're having a lot of fun, you know, as if we don't already talk enough throughout the day. This just gives us another excuse to talk yeah, right? even more. <laughs> like, we're like, so we give our, we give each other little updates and yeah, it is like a little blanket for the salt. We're having a, we're having a fun time watching it. Um, it's so sweet. It's so sweet. So we highly recommend unless you are not into animation, which is, it's not for everyone. It's really not, but like we're both a little nerdy, so we're into to it yeah um and then we're also gearing up this weekend for the hermansky public syndrome conference annual conference which will be ending right when this episode actually comes out but we hope if you went to it that you had a great time if you have hps of course we can't just have anybody and everybody crashing this conference you know (laughs) but um if you have hps and you came to the conference we hope you had a great time. We're excited gearing up for it. It is virtual this year, so it's going to be different. And we hope, we hope so bad that it can be in person next year. We really do. But yeah. Yeah. We're doing yeah. a session. But together. we're excited for, uh, we're doing a little session. We mentioned it in our conference episode. So if you haven't heard that, you should go listen to it if you're curious. Um, but we have a little episode. We're going to be talking about mobility tools like canes and guide dogs. You know that that's important to us on this uh, on this rare with flair on this yes. show. What am I saying? But anyway, <laughs> so um, we're really excited. Um, even though it's virtual, it we yeah we think it'll be lots of fun. So lots that's of fun. sort of what we've been into lately. That is what we've been into lately. So don't forget follow us on the socials. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, our email, hello at rarewithflare.com. Thank you so much again for everyone who bought a shirt and supported our fundraiser. 
Oh my goodness, I just choked like halfway through that sentence. Um, <laughs> so, thanks thank everybody you guys. for joining us. See you in a couple weeks. Bye. Bye.